It is so good to see you guys here at our Battlefield campus. Uh, it's exciting to have those of you at McCannon with us, worshiping with us. We know we have folks in overflow uh, today, so uh, thank you for being patient uh, with us there. Glad to have you guys. I got some analytics uh, on our online stuff uh, this week, and we're seeing people watching. If you're watching online, we're seeing people watch from Hartsville to Hendersonville, Lewisburg, Lawrenceburg, all over the state. And I was blown away from outside of the country, the largest gathering of people who are watching our service are in Uganda. So to those of you in Uganda watching, which is this afternoon, uh, we're excited to have you. Uh, outside in, the, in the U.S., one of the larger groupings of people that are watching our services are in New York City. So we're excited to have you guys uh, this morning. That's a pretty amazing thing that what we get to do right here, uh, God is allowing us to, to use it around the world. Now, here's the other thing. They're watching for an average of uh, 18 uh, minutes. So I don't know if they're just watching worship and then clicking off, and, but whatever. So if you just, we just had 15 minutes worth of worship. So I got three minutes. I got to go pretty fast uh, today. Hey, we're, uh, we're finishing up our series through Proverbs. And uh, I don't know about uh, you. I, I, I just love the book of Proverbs. Just so much practical wisdom in Proverbs. Could just be so, so helpful in, in so many different areas of our life. We, we looked at some insight as it relates to really how to grow as a parent. We looked at some insight on really uh, taking a, a, a hard look at, at our language, our friendships, our morality, our work ethic. And then last week, we started taking a look at what Solomon says about our, our money. And we entitled this message, The Wisdom of the Truly Wealthy, because that's really what Solomon is, is, is doing. He's showing really, here's how to be truly wealthy uh, in this world. And, and what he says is very different. And I promise you, uh, you get a chance to have a, a master's degree in personal finance from the book of Proverbs. These principles will help you and provide so much freedom uh, in your life. There's no question about it. And in fact, you just can't study the book of Proverbs without talking about money. Now, I know this. I see the look. Every time a preacher starts talking about money, then everybody's like, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, but again, we say around here, we don't want anything from you. We want something for you. And as it relates to money, man, it's where we have so much anxiety, isn't it? There's so much anxiety about money. And God's word really wants to bring some freedom. Uh, money creates a lot of, lot of difficulties inside of marriage. And 20-some-odd years of doing marriage counseling over and over again, one of the biggest contributors to, to marriage discontent is in the area of money. And we know this about money Money is the number one competitor in our life, really, for, for God's place. It's fighting for, for really preeminence in, in our life with the Lord. So there's a lot in play. And the book of Proverbs has at least 69 different passages on money. It's almost as if Solomon wants to get our attention uh, in this area. Uh, every single chapter, almost two references in every single chapter to money. So uh, let's just recap where we were last week. We looked at four things. We're going to look at three things today. So seven things that really mark the wisdom of the truly wealthy uh, from Proverbs. And so last week we saw this, uh, number one, the wise have really redefined wealth. You have to, you have to really redefine wealth. And, and look at this verse, Proverbs 22.1. I said there were 69 verses in Proverbs on money. We looked at 67 of them last week, so we're going to pick up the other two. Uh, Proverbs 22.1 says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. Do you believe that's true? You see, a good name, having integrity, having a good reputation in the, in the community is more desirable than riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. And so, so that's true. Uh, Jesus says, what good is it if a person gains the whole world yet forfeits their soul? What good is it if you build the best business in our state yet you lose your, your marriage? And so we have to redefine wealth. What, what are we really focused on, right? And so last week we had this question, how do I define wealth? 
And that's a very important thing for you to answer in your life because how you define wealth will define you. There's no question about that. So it's super important. Number two last week, and this is just all by way of, of, of recap. Number two, the wise have the discipline to wait. Proverbs 22.7, we, we saw this, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. Whatever you want, you, you can have it now, but the problem is if you have it, have it now uh, too quick and you, you borrow money for things going down in value very quickly, those things will have you. You don't have them, and that's what we see in Scripture. And one of the reasons I believe this from a, from a spiritual standpoint, one of the reasons I, I believe that we grab for so many things so quickly is because we have really forgotten who has a hold on us in our life. And, and so out of that uh, insecurity, uncertainty, lack of contentment, we're always grabbing, looking, looking for it. But I believe the gospel has so, much to, has so much to say about that. Here's question number two we looked at last week. Those of you in, in the balcony, am I looking to stuff for my significance? That's a really important question to wrestle with. Because if I am, I will never find contentment in my life. And we want you to be free. No, no, number three, the wise avoid get-rich-quick schemes. You know, there's plenty of those all day, every day. Solomon is dealing with, with his son almost 3,000 years ago on the same thing, avoiding those. Proverbs 12:11. those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies have no uh, sense. I was telling the folks Thursday night we were looking at this, and I, I can remember like in the early 90s, I mean, it's not like I didn't have a lot of money. I had a little money set aside, and a guy came up to me and said, I want to get you in on something. Now, whenever somebody says that, you're like, uh-oh. But there's always something in us like, okay, yeah, like I, 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 I want some of that. And he says, i tell you where this thing's headed. It's pay phones. So pay phones are going to explode. Everybody's got pagers now. And because people have pagers, they're going to want to stop and make a phone call using pay phones. Some of you have no idea what a pay phone is. You need to Google that. And so I had a chance to invest in pay phones back in the 90s. I, I didn't. That was a good move, right? Because I, I haven't seen a pay phone in 15 years. I don't know, but no, no, know about you guys. But those who work their land have an abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. And so am I chasing any fantasies in my life? I spend more time dreaming than I do just being diligent in what God's called me to do in my life. And then number four, the wise work with integrity. We said integrity is a wholeness, a wholeness of my life. I'm held together spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And listen, when we lose our integrity, we begin to come apart. That's really what it means. We lose, lose wholeness. Proverbs 1, 19, such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the life of those who get it. So if I'm trying to take advantage of somebody in any way financially, then what happens is it begins to destroy me from the inside out. So the question we looked at to finish up last week was this question. Uh, is there any deceit in how I'm earning my money? Those of you that are there in overflow, can you think about that just in, in any way? In, in my professional life, if I'm trying to, to sell something online, is there any deceit and how, I'm, uh, and how I'm earning my money. Now, number five, we're going to look at three things today and finish this up. These are seven things that people who have true, true wisdom about wealth know, and we see them from Scripture, right? Number five, and, and up to this point, let me just say, up to this point, everything we've said, nobody would have a ton of pushback because they sort of intuitively make, make a little bit of sense, right? You get, you, in other words, you wouldn't even have to be a believer, more or less, to, to realize that those things are true. But it's not true from where we're headed from this point on, right? And by the way, let me just tell you, if you can hang in here, I want to try to increase those who are watching online from 18 minutes to the, to the full hour today. 
We're going to look at the very, very most, uh, the, the very most, the, that's, that's my middle Tennessee education there. Uh, the, the, uh, the best passage in the book of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we're going to see it in just a few moments. It's, a, it's, it's the best. We've saved the best for last, and it answers one of the most important questions in our life. So you can hang on. We'll close with that. But here's number five. Uh, of the seven things that those who have wisdom about their wealth, here, here's what they know. Uh, number five, the wise live with radical generosity. The wise live with radical generosity. Now look at these verses. These will blow your mind, right? Whoever is, Proverbs 19, 17, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. Let's just, just stop for a second. Think about that. Whoever is kind to the poor, the scripture says, lends to the Lord. Now let, let's just stop. Uh, is God, does God ever need anything from us? Is it like God's short this month and we need to loan him some? I had to help the Lord out this week. He came up a little short. No. That's not the point. The point is he's trying to get our attention. And he's saying, it's almost like, you know, when you, when you help someone who cannot help themselves, you're lending to me. You're, you're doing to me what would, what, would, what would bless me, the Lord is saying. So whoever's kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he, meaning God, will reward them for what they have done. Now, we would all say, or I think most of us would say, it's a good thing to be generous, but why aren't we generous? That, that's kind of a deeper question. And one of the reasons why we aren't generous is because of something that, that I might refer to is the scarcity model. We really believe there's, there's only a set amount of resources that we have. Like we only have, we only have so much in our life because we grew up with our dad saying money doesn't grow on, right? Finally, you guys are with us. Money doesn't grow on trees, right? So we just, we just have a set amount. But I want to push against that because I think scripture pushes against that. And let, 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 let's see what the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know what the Apostle Paul is saying? Same thing that Solomon is saying. When we're generous to the poor, listen, God sees that. God rewards that. God takes care of that. We're, we're being the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus. Then he's able to provide supernaturally, right? Supernaturally. Because let me just tell you something, and, and I, I'm a preacher, but we're here today to worship a living God. Do you believe that? That's not just preacher talk. Our Savior defeated the grave. He is alive. So there is a supernatural element that is the root of being a follower of Jesus Christ. The church needs to be reminded of that. And we have forgotten that because we've been, just become so pragmatic in what, in what we're doing. Look at Proverbs eleven twenty four. I love this verse. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Right, that doesn't make sense, does it? Like, right, one person gives freely. One person is open-handed and they receive even more. Another withholds unduly. Another closes their hand because they believe that in the scarcity model, I only have so much, I have a limited amount, so I'm going to close my hand. Now listen to what the scripture says, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You see, that's that supernatural, supernatural uh, nature of God blessing us. People curse the one who hoards grain. Now watch that. What is that really talking about? In the ancient culture, and it can happen today, in the ancient culture, wealthy landowners, when they harvested grain, many times would not put that grain out into the open market until grain got so scarce and people were getting, getting so hungry because the hungrier they are, what did that do to prices? Made them go up. Right? So they were taking advantage of people. So, so, so they were kind of gaming the market, so to speak, so they could take advantage of people because, listen, it was all about the bottom line instead of the good of the community, and that breaks the heart of God when we live like that, you see? Now, 
Generosity. Why is it so important to be radically generous? Because generosity reflects the heart of our king. That's, what, that's why you and I are here today. If you're a follower of Jesus, why has he left you here? So that we can bring God glory. Let people see the nature of our God through our, through our lives. And when we're generous, people see the nature of our God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, speaking of the nature of our king. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus, for you know about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, creator of the universe, I would call that wealthy, right? Though he was rich, yet for your sake became poor. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful for that? So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. So that now I have the righteousness of the Lord Jesus because of what he'd done. He, he became poor, stepping into our situation so that we might become rich. Isn't that an amazing thing? I can never get over that, right? And so that's the generous heart of the Lord Jesus. And so when we're radically generous, then we reflect that. So, so here's the question. What's hindering me from radical generosity? What is hindering me today from living a radically generous life? Um, Amy and I raised two boys. Now, there's a difference between raising boys and girls. Uh, girls can be just uh, very thoughtful, very compassionate, and uh, not so much. The boys sometimes, and uh, several weeks ago, it was uh, my wife's birthday, Amy's birthday, so we were coming in from out of town, and we got home, and they surprised her. My two boys threw a surprise birthday party for their mama. It blew her away. I had to go get the defibrillator. I thought, what in the world? What's going on here? And so we're just, we're celebrating the moment. I didn't see, I didn't, I didn't even see my grandson. And finally I saw my grandson. Somebody said, you always try to work your grandson in. Well, right. And he's sitting over in the corner. He's on an iPad. I said, man, did you get a new iPad? He said, no, Pop, it's yours. I said, no, it's not. It's not mine. That's not my iPod. I, that's not Pop's iPad. And he, he just looked at me so exasperated. He said, yeah, it is. I said, where'd you get the iPad? He said, out of that drawer. He walks from, do you have that drawer in your house? You could find like the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. That's all, I mean, everything you could ever look for and more. It's there. Do you have that in your house? Yeah, everybody's got that drawer. And, uh, and so I said, that was in there? And he said, yeah. And um, I went to Amy. I said, did you know we had this? She said, I forgot. I did. I mean, so we had it. And it was working, right? He's online. You know, he's watching the show, Paw Patrol, right there. And I said, so we had an iPad, and she said, yeah. She said, you know, when we got their new phone coverage and the phone plan, they said for $5, you know how it is, $5 more, you can get an iPad. We're, we're like the least technical people on planet Earth, right? Like, I, I roll with a legal pad, not an iPad. And so we, we just, we weren't, we just stuck in a drawer, we forgot. So here's the point. For several years, there's been a, a nice functioning iPad sitting in a drawer that we weren't even using, and I thought, and it just that night after I got over the shock of having a surprise birthday party by my boys, it was like, you know what? There are so many children in our community and really around the country that were doing distance learning right now. I mean, having a, a working iPad would have been a great thing for them to have right now, right? And so God just began to just really challenge me about, you know what? Before you can be radically generous, why don't you just start by being practically generous? You know, I mean, there are so many things in my life right now that, that, that I, I wouldn't have to be radically generous, just being practically generous, just allowing other people who, who have way less just to have things that I'm not even using. So it sort of got me thinking, how could we as a church grow in just practical generosity first? I mean, wonder if we, because you're looking at, you're, you're looking at me like you would never do anything like that. Maybe you wouldn't, but, but my, my guess is you've got things sitting around your house right now that you're not using. You haven't worn a long time that could be a blessing to somebody else, Right. We could. So just growing in that. 
So it just sent me, I've, just been, I've been cleaning out closets, donating clothes, all kinds of stuff. And, but here's what I want to do. If you go to our website, let's put this up on the screen really quickly, and then I'll move on. On the front page of our website is, is just a tab that we're going to put up this week called Practical Generosity. You can click on that, and, and you'll see about six or seven different ministry partners that we're working with right here in the, in the city. And, and, you, and you can just see some needs that they have. And if you have something just around your house that you're not using, that could be a blessing to them. That's just a way of being practically generous. Now, and there's also a chance to be radically generous. Like here, here's what, one of the things that we're trying to do for inmates, Steve Austin, our prison minister here, that's doing amazing work, by the way. Uh, one of the things and, um, that they're doing is they're trying to, as guys and gals get, get out of prison, out of halfway houses and get their first apartment, trying to help them have some furniture when they can, can move into their first apartment. So we just, you know, somebody here in our church, you may have a warehouse that you would just donate so we could store that stuff. Somebody may have a barn that you're not using that we could just store that. And that would just be radical generosity. But wonder if we were a radically generous church that was reflecting the heart of our king, how different would our city be? It'd be so different. How, how, how different would our country be? So it's a very important thing. So the wise live with radical generosity. N- number six, let's look at this. The wise and the people have true wisdom about wealth. The wise live like stewards and they sleep like babies. Now, when you say sleep like babies, that's a figure of speech because if you have one, they don't always sleep so well. But the point is to just have peace because that's what I want. I want you to have peace in this area of your personal finance. And you can. God's word wants to bring that to you. And, and boy, wouldn't that be a great thing for you, right? So how do we do that? Well, let's look. Let's look. And by the way, when it says the wise live like stewards, let me just, I, I don't want to take anything for granted because steward is like a, uh, the word steward is like a stained glass churchy word. Like, so what, what does it mean? Uh, simply, it just means a, a manager, hum, someone who manages the resources of another. That's really what it is. And sometimes you'll, you'll, hear, you'll hear people talk about stewardship. What is stewardship? Stewardship is ultimately me managing God's resources for God's glory. And to be honest, that, that's what we've been called to do, right? We're not owners. We're stewards. Now, we don't live like that, and, and we don't like it when people like me say that, but it's true nonetheless. Look at Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Let's take a look at this. If looks looks could kill, this is one of those moments for me as a pastor. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor, meaning revere, respect, submit, obey. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. See, mostly what we do is if there's any leftover, then we we give it to the Lord. And And so here's what you're thinking. Okay, here we go, right? Here we go. Here's the the guilt and shame portion of the message. No, we don't do that here. Again, we say all the time, we don't want anything from you. We do want something for you. And listen, here's the same thing. If God wanted your money or needed your money, he'd just take your money. Right? I mean, that, that to me is kind of funny. Like, you know, well, why does God want my God doesn't want your money. God doesn't need anything that you have. But I need to be free of the love of money because it will destroy me. Right? So what does the scripture say? Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And so again, here's the thing. And this is, this is one of the reasons why I love to teach on money. And there's this principle like, well, if I give, I'll get more. That, that's not the point. Now, is, do you see that in scripture? Yes. But here's one of the things. I hear so many people say this today. You know what? Where do we see God moving today? Where do we see, super, where do we see really supernatural movement of God today? One of the ways that you'll see a supernatural movement of God is trusting God with the most difficult part of your life, and that's your financial life. And you'll see God begin to move. And that's what I want. I want 
want you to see God move in a supernatural way in your life because you will fall deeply in love with him. Listen, I, this is what I do for a living. I speak to people all the time. I can tell people who are engaged and people who are not engaged. You know the people who are engaged? It's people who have seen God move in a supernatural way in their life, right? And they're deeply in love with him. And I can't produce that. Right? Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. Now, what does that mean? When we give to the Lord first, let me, ju- let me just say this. Let me just say this. My belief, from beginning of Scripture to the end, I believe a principle that is embedded in the Scripture from beginning to end is that, is that of the tithe. The first 10% belongs to the Lord. People push against that all the time with me. People argue with me all the time. I remember doing a writing assignment years ago. I was asked to write on this uh, for a, a, a series of articles. Uh, and, and I didn't realize the publisher was going to give my cell number out. People were calling me and just just going off on me. I never will forget this guy from East Tennessee. Man, he is just ripping me apart. And he said, I'm just this legalistic uh, guilt preacher, right? And the tithe was an Old Testament principle. It's not a New Testament principle. And I said, let me just stop you right there, chief. I said, Jesus said that he didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. Is that true? Yeah. It is. Look it up. And I said, secondly, so, so secondly, what you're saying is that we who are now under the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ should give less than those under the law? That's your logic? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, right? But anyways, the point is not about the money. It's, it's, it's what the tithe shows. That's what I want people to see. It's what the tithe shows, right? So here's what it does. When we give first to God, it says this. It says that I realize that God owns it all and is the source of it all, right? That's what it's about. When I, when I, when I give first and the first 10% goes to the Lord, it's really showing, God, I believe you own it all. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe God owns everything? I do. I believe everything that exists today exists through the power of of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe God owns it all. I'm not an owner, I'm a steward, and, and I believe God is the source of it all, right? So when I give first, it reflects that. It reflects that belief, and I just need to be reminded of that over and over again, because why? I constantly want to move back to living like an owner instead of a steward. Do you? I mean, it's not a one-time struggle, so that giving every month is just a reminder of that uh, for me. I would illustrate it this way. Like, let's just say you're saving money for a car, right? If somebody could just look up here. I got nobody looking at me. You're saving money for a car. Used car, going to be $20,000. It's just my story. I'll create them out. Brian, is that good with you? $20,000 for a car. So you're saving, and so you just go to your local banker. Every single month, you make a deposit, make a deposit, make a deposit, and finally, you know, a year and a half, two years comes by. You've got $20,000 in the bank. You come in and say, you know what? I want to I withdraw. I want to withdraw that $20,000 in that account for this for this car, you show the banker the picture, I'm going to pick it up, and the banker says, got a problem. Uh, we needed new laptops, and uh, we appreciate, we, we spent your money on laptops, we actually painted the place, got new furniture, thank you, we don't have your money. Or you would be livid, wouldn't you? Like, what do you mean you don't have my money? You mean you spent my money on your stuff, I need to get that car. See, you, maybe it's a lousy illustration. But in a sense, that's, that's kind of what we do. We fund our kingdom. We don't, we don't live like stewards. We live like owners, and we, we, spend, we spend all of God's money on, on us. Uh, secondly, when I give first, what does it say? It says that my giving first says I trust him with it all. It says I trust him with it all. Because that's what's, listen, you want to know, what is God up to in your life? I hear people say that. What is God up to in your life? I'll tell you what he's up to, growing your faith. That's what he's up to. He wants you to trust him more and more. So, so money's a test, right? We say all the time around here, money's a tool. 
It's a test, and it's really a trademark of ownership. Money's a tool, it's a test, and it's a trademark of ownership, right? So giving first says, God, I trust you with it all. Uh, Amy's sister, uh, Melinda, her and her husband live in San Diego, uh, where it is 85 and sunny every single day. It rained a year and a half ago, and we get to see the pictures, right? <laughs> but their pastor is a guy by the name of uh, Dr. David Jeremiah. You ever heard him? He's an amazing preacher. He's, un- he's unbelievable, all right? Um, and uh, he's in his 70s, like... Guys in their 70s are awesome. Do you know why? They don't care. <laughs> like they got this wisdom, and they just flat out don't care. And so he, he tells this illustration of, about, about giving. It's really good. And it's a true story. He said a young couple came to him and said, uh, Dr. Jeremiah, we, we want to give, but we, it just won't work for us financially. I mean, we've crunched the numbers. It won't work. And he said, I understand. He said, why don't we do this? He said, why don't you write me a check for what your tithe would be? Uh, I'm going to put it in an envelope, and I'll place it in my my desk drawer. And then at the end of the month, if you're short, um, I'll give it back to you. And they said, okay. So they wrote a check, and he took the check, and he said, let me stop you here. He said, here's what I want to show you. Here's what happened. You just exhibited more trust in me than than you do in the Lord. You see? And so this is a chance to, to, to grow our faith. Thursday night, I finished preaching. A guy grabbed me and says, you got a minute? Whenever somebody says, you have a minute, that means an hour and a half. Do you know that, right? It wasn't necessarily the case. He's a great guy, great story. He said, can I tell you this story? He was so excited. He said, can I tell you this story? He said, I'm a, he said I hadn't been married long, and, and uh, we had a special event at our church, and it was a guy from our community who's a multimillionaire who came, and, and he spoke at our men's group, and guys were asking him about business, and he said, my success is not based on my business skill. He said, the only thing I can attribute it to is he said, just years ago, I just decided I was going to put God first in my finances, in my business. He said, God's just, God's just blessed it. That's all I know to tell you. And he said, and then the tables turned. He said, I want to challenge you guys to do that. He says, just a bunch of young, young guys starting their career out. He said, I want to challenge you. And this guy said, you know what? I, I wasn't doing that. And, and here's what the business plan said. He said, you know what? You tithe this month. And if you come up short, he gave him his, his phone number. Uh, he said, call me. I'll make up the difference. And so my buddy said, Okay. He said, I went home. I said, we got, we got nothing to lose. And he said, so, so we did that. And then we're out in the parking lot Thursday night. And he begins to get emotional. And he says, you know what? That started a journey for us where we just stepped into that. And he said, I cannot tell you the ways throughout the years that God has just shown up in supernatural ways. And he said, that one night where I was challenged in that area of my life has just changed my viewpoint of the power and the presence of God in my life from just that one conversation. Because here's the thing, this is fascinating to me. You know, the only time in Scripture, we've taught on this before, the only time in Scripture God says to test me, it's relative to what? Money. Malachi chapter 3.10. The only time in Scripture God says, test me. He says in Malachi 3.10, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, right? And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven in provision for you. It's the only time, right? Because you'll see God move in a powerful way, and that's what God wants. He wants you to fall deeper in love with him, not, not that he could have our money. Uh, look what Martin Luther, Luther said, and then we'll move on. Luther said, I've held many things in my hands, and I've lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Um, That's a powerful word, isn't it? I was down at my grandparents, my grandmother, who just went to be with the Lord. and I I was walking around their house, and uh, I'm so thankful for, I feel just overwhelmed at times, and for 
Um, I hear so many stories of folks just growing up and, you know, such difficult families and mom and dad who loved Jesus and taught me the truth of his word. I'm so fortunate. Grandparents who loved Jesus. I, I tell the story of my, my mom's mother who passed away just over here at the hospital a couple years ago. And, and uh, the last check she wrote was to her church. Isn't that cool? Right? And just, just watching them, just watching them, they, just how disciplined they were in that area. My, my, my grandfather, I was walking around my grandfather's house after my grandmother died and just trying to get my bearings a little bit. And I walked around the side of his house and his heat and air unit kicked on. I have, I think it looked like something from the Civil War. Like I've never seen such an old heat and air unit. And uh, so later we were having dinner and I said, Granddaddy, how long have you had that unit? He said, I don't know. He said, let me think about it. He said, I think 27 years, 27, 28 years. My heat and air unit lasts four months, right? Do yours? No, I mean longer than that, right? I mean... He said, I think 27 years. He said, it's been a good run. I'd say, <laughs> I'd say. You know, it's not, that, it's not that we give and then we just, we just show up and we go to the mail and there's a, you know, a check from the publisher's clearinghouse for that amount, like boom. It's just, God just continues to provide. You know, the children of Israel in their desert wandering for 40 years, you know what the scripture says? Their shoes didn't wear out, right? Just trusted God and God provides. That's what I want you to see. Do you see it? That's what I want you to see. I want you to see the supernatural provision of God. You see, the wise, they live like stewards and they sleep like babies. They have peace. You know, when COVID hit, when COVID hit, uh, the fear that I had was financial fear for our church. I was thankful we didn't have any debt, but I was, I was concerned for our staff. Um, I, re I really was. And, and the giving, uh, you know, because these folks have families, right? And you know what? Um, I told you this last week and I was wrong. I want to cor correct what I said. I wasn't intentionally wrong. I just didn't have my math right. Um, we've had, this is right, we've had about 40% of the attendance we had pre-COVID here. We haven't taken an offering now and, it, and, and we haven't passed the plates in right now about exactly one year, right? Um, so we've seen a 60% decrease in attendance, haven't passed the offering plates in one year yet. As we finished up last month, our giving year to date was 8.1% over the previous year. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I think, yeah. And some of you are like, yeah, I bet it is. What do you pay on a commission? I'm not paid on commission. Uh, I've said before, and this was dishonest. Amy had to correct me on this. I've said this before. I've never asked. For, I've said many times, you maybe heard me say, I've never asked for a pay raise. That's a lie. I did one time. First year we were here. We were making below 15000 And I uh, had our first child, and, and we, we were, it was, it was tough, you know. And I, I remember uh, and asking for a little increase, and at that point the church just didn't do it, so they said no. The only time I've ever asked for an increase, I didn't get it. <laughs> so I just, and it was kind of embarrassing and humiliating, right? It's like, I don't want to feel that way. I've never asked for that again. Uh, we were just doing our, I, I say this to you, to speak to the power and presence of our God. We just, we just finished doing our taxes uh, last week and um, just, just this year, we've been able to give almost three times to the work of the kingdom what we made in year one here. And, uh, and it don't, don't do the numbers and say, does, so does that, was that your, no, we, that's not what I'm making. Um, it's just, just to see how God is blessed. I, it's unbelievable. And I want that for you. I want that for you. The wise live like stewards and they sleep like babies to have peace. That when you're a steward, 
you realize you're just managing God's stuff, so it doesn't just wear you out all the time trying to figure everything out because you know he's been faithful and he'll be faithful. Last thing, the wise always invest in the right currency. Let's close with this and whatever you have to do. I know you're tired of listening. I see it on your face. But whatever you got to do to kickstart for the last five minutes, this is the best passage in Proverbs by far. The wise invest in the right currency. Here's what I mean by that. There's a lot of different currencies you can invest in. Some say cash is king, right? Yeah. Some say in a, in a down market, you want to invest in gold. You want to invest in silver. Uh, even when I was having my taxes done, the guy doing our taxes says, you got any cryptocurrency? Should I? I don't know. So I began to look into that. I don't know anything about crypto. I hear people talk about Bitcoin. I, I just I, I went to Capital.com to, to research. Just to, do you know? You probably know this. I didn't. There are over three thousand different types of cryptocurrency. That's amazing. In fact, there's even a guide there if you want to create your own cryptocurrency. You can do that, right? Don't try to pay your tithe in that, but you can do that. <laughs> but a person of wisdom, as it relates to wealth, they invest in the right currency. And here it is. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust. That means complete reliance, falling face down, prostrate before the Lord. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Can I say something about that one phrase? For years, I've had so many people come with anxiety and say, I don't know if I'm trusting God with all of my heart. Listen, this is a, this is a principle. Nobody trust the Lord with all their heart perfectly. You see that? No one does it perfectly. It's a principle that Solomon is saying that we ascribe to. But I will tell you, and please listen, I will tell you, here's how you know. Please listen, if you're online, I want, I want you to hear this. Here's how you know that you're not trusting the Lord with all your heart. If there's any area of your life that you are consciously rejecting the truth of God's word. If there's any area, you know what God has said about your money, you know what God has said about your morality, you know what God says about forgiving others, or one, any area of your life that you're just consciously rejecting the known will of God, then that's an area that we're not trusting the Lord with all, all, all of our heart. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. It's a word picture of leaning up against a, a falling support, right? If you trust in your own understanding, Solomon says there's a way that seems right unto man, in the end it leads to destruction. I find that most people, most people are making decisions in their life based on their own understanding, right? And many times the ways of the Lord are radically different, right? But they will stand. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Let me just stop there. I love the spring. Fish start biting. Baseball start flying. Some of you are like, baseball is so boring. Baseball moves so slow. You're right. You know why? Watch this. This connects to this verse. Some of you are like, please, not another baseball story. Do you know why baseball moves slow? Watch a game. After every pitch, the batter steps out of the box and looks down to the coach for a what? For a sign. After every single pitch, and if he or she doesn't, coach yells, step out. They step out of the box. They look down to get their sign. I think that's what Solomon says. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, do what? Acknowledge him. God, what would you have me to do in this situation, in every situation? Wonder if we waited 
from a clear word from the Lord in every decision. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will what? Make your path straight. To be honest, that's the most often asked question I get. How do I know the will of God? Just answered it. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Now let's finish this up. Here's what the wise know. The wise know this. This is so important, so super important. The wise know this, that faith is the currency of God's kingdom. There's over 3,000 cryptocurrencies. The wise know that faith, trust in God, is the currency of the kingdom. In other words, if I will receive anything from God in any area of my life, it'll be through faith. Proverbs, you study Proverbs, it shows that true wisdom always leads to greater faith in Christ. What is it to be wise? To trust Christ more and more in your life. That's wisdom. This isn't, you know, tips for, you know, truth tips for a, a practical life. No, it's not. It's learning to trust God with the details of your life. The wise know that faith is in a person not in our performance. Please listen to what I'm about to say. Solomon says, trust the Lord. Faith is in a person, not in your performance. Most people I know, when push comes to shove, are trusting in their performance for a right relationship with God. Can I tell you something about your performance? Please listen. If you're watching online, please listen. Your performance cannot be trusted because one sin disqualifies you for relationship with God. But when we trust in the Lord Jesus, then we are trusting in his performance. He performed perfectly, and so we receive his righteousness. Do you want to stand? Here, here it is in a very simple way. Do you want to stand before God based on your performance or on the performance of Jesus Christ? Help me. That's why we go over on every, every single week. I'm waiting on you. You, you want to stand before God based on your performance? I don't. I know my performance. I don't want to stand before God based on my performance. I want to stand before God with the performance of Jesus Christ, with his righteousness. And when I trust in him, that's the exchange that happens. Is that good news? And it's great news. And the wise know faith is always in a person, not in a performance. The wise know that faith is not diversified, right? If you're investing... Your investment advisor might say, you know what, you need to be diversified. That means you need to have some stocks, you need to have some bonds, you need to have some cash, you need to have some real estate, right? You need to diversify, right? That's just good insight, good insight. Here's the problem. Spiritually, it's the exact opposite. The wise know that faith is not diversified. What What do we mean? All our eggs are in the Jesus basket. That's what true faith is. All of my eggs are in the Jesus basket. I'm trusting him and I'm trusting alone. Listen, if you've got a plan B, you don't have faith at all. If you have a kind of a diversified faith, well, I'm here today or I'm watching online because I'm kind of hedging my bets. It's Jesus plus something else. Listen, that's not true faith because true faith is falling face down. It's a, it's a, it's a picture of being laid out before the Lord as one who's just been conquered by a conquering general and you're relying and you're submitting and you're surrendering to him. That's true faith. Watch this. The wise know that God's truth trumps our thinking. What does the scripture says? Lean not on your own understanding. If you live your life leaning on your own understanding, that is a shaky, shaky situation. It won't hold you up. But let me ask you a question I think that is so super important. Listen, do you let the Bible and the truths of the scripture overrule your thinking? See, that's it. But so many of us know we live our life based on what makes sense to us in the moment. That's a picture of foolishness, not wisdom. And then lastly, I always have one confusing thing I say every week. I don't even know if I understand this, but I wrote it. I hope you do. The wise make Jesus their first ask 
and their constant aim. Let me tell you what I'm trying to say. It's what Solomon says, in all your ways acknowledge him. You will make him the first ask, Lord, what should I do in this situation? That's why it's so important to be in a group, to ask other believers, you know, what do you think the Lord would have me to do in this situation? Right? If you make him the first to ask in every situation and make him the constant aim of your life, what do you mean the constant aim? That I'm living my life right now for the glory of God, that people could see the nature of God through the way I'm living my life. If Jesus is my first ask in all situations and he's my constant aim, then he'll give you the direction that you're looking for in your life. And then lastly, the wise understand that our treasure always gives away the condition of our heart. Hands down, this is the reason why I preach on money because nothing will show you the condition of your heart like your affections. Jesus said it this way, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Right? My spending, of it, uh, my spending reveals my affections. Does that make sense? The way I spend my money and the way I spend my time shows who I love. You see, we started this last week saying two huge problems with money is, number one, money can become a security idol. We look to it for our security instead of in Christ. And money can be where we get our significance. And to be honest, it's, it's really two of the main reasons why we don't put God first in our finances. I don't give for security reasons. Think about the logic in that. You're withholding right now from God in case there's a rainy day. He's the one who sends the rain, right? Seems to make sense that that's sort of utter foolishness. And secondly, I can't fund your kingdom first because I've already funded mine. So what does your treasure say? What does your treasure say? What does your treasure say about the love of your life? How do you define true wealth? I define true wealth this way. The richness that I have in my life from being known by the king. I was blown away. There are over 3,000 different types of cyber currency. You can create your own. It made me think about the church. We've been creating our own currency in the church forever meaning we try to come to God on our own terms. Does that make sense? There's only one way to come to God. It's on his terms. And it's how Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 starts. Trust. Falling face down in surrender. Complete reliance on King Jesus. Has that ever happened for you? If not, it can. Father, thank you for this moment. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this moment. And Father, maybe for those here who have come to you on their own terms, creating their own currency, Lord, thank you today for the power of your word reminding us that there, there is only one currency of the kingdom. It is faith. It is trust, complete and utter trust. And Lord, my prayer is today that there were folks in this room watching online that for the first time would see that and would trust you completely and begin to step into a truly wealthy life. And we pray all this in the strong name of the one who has done everything so that we could have that, King Jesus. Amen.